Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. To reveal the full spectrum of its dazzling color. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. We welcome you back to the program, 8.05 The Time, hour number two here on Sports 56 Mornings, the Thursday, November 16th, 2023 edition. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. Their overstock sale continues at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Partly cloudy as you get your Thursday started. High of 65 today. Cloudy skies tonight with some early showers, but only about a 20% chance of rain with a low tonight of 61 degrees. Second hour of the program brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. I'll give you more of the particulars in just a few moments, but right now, it's time to talk to Coach Silverfield. It's time to talk Memphis Tigers football. It's Sports 56 Morning's weekly visit with Tigers head coach Ryan Silverfield. Brought to you by ATC Fitness, with 18 locations in Memphis and the Mid-South. Now, here's Coach Silverfield with Greg and Eli. We get a chance to talk to Coach Ryan Silverfield each and every week, and this week, it's a big one, folks. As you know, Saturday, the Tigers will take on SMU in a battle of eight and two teams. You can follow Coach on Twitter at rsilverfield, although he doesn't do much of the social media thing during the season. Coach, how are you today? Coach? You guys got me? Yeah, we got you now. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. Doing great. Excited for uh, Saturday. The guys have had a heck of a week of practice. Got to continue to... Uh, in the next 48 hours to do what we're supposed to do in order to find a way to win a game on Saturday. But we're certainly making things interesting. Well, you you are. You're the the, the card. <laughs> I think uh, Wolo calls you the the cardiac uh, uh, cats or something like that. But uh, yeah, the yeah. the game. But your your motto in the spring and the summer and camp going into the season was finish. Just finish games. And for the most part, for the most part, you're finding ways to finish games, and that was what you wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, and I said it, you know, it's, which is an okay thing as long as you're talking about it wins. You don't want to reflect on seasons past, but, you know, uh, especially with the change in rosters and things of that nature. But, look, you know, last year, Houston game going differently, different story probably, right? Mm-hmm. The ECU game four times, find ways to finish, different outcomes. So, you know, this year we just, we knew that, it, it, look, there's challenges every single week. Uh, we're seeing that every Every time we look up scores on Saturdays, you know, post game, like, wow, what happened there? What happened? Oh my gosh! And for us, just find ways to win games. And um, is the you know, is it always pretty during the game? No. But if our guys continue to fight and believe, and and regardless, as long as the outcome turns out a win for the Tigers, uh, we'll take it and, and move on to the next one. And I think our guys have had a, a fantastic mindset and approach. Um, and, and, you know, even after wins, you can sit there and say, okay, here are the things we got to get fixed, and they're 1,000% on board. Say, yes, sir, let's get it done, and let's keep moving. I always think it's kind of fascinating to figure out how what the thought process is, how coaches are thinking. In that overtime period, once you've got the stop on them and you've got the ball, you continue to move it. But was there is there any point where you were thinking, let's just kick the field goal now? Well, so you talk to your offense, you say, okay, listen, we feel pretty comfortable with Tanner obviously making that, you know, the, the game clinching field goal to put us to overtime. You feel comfortable with his confidence um, to possibly make it. So you talk to the offense, you get him in the huddle real quick. You say, okay, guys, 
we've got points. Let's own the football no matter what, right? So let's not make any irrational decisions. Let's, uh, you know, and, and I'll go back to this, right? Regardless, you can say opponent, all that stuff. You go back to almost this time last year, we played SMU at SMU. We were in field goal range and had the conversation with the offense. Hey, guys, we've got points. We're down here. It was a two-minute drive. Uh, you know, obviously a field goal goes to overtime, a touchdown wins it. And we threw the interception in the back of the end zone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this game, hey, guys, look, we've got points. We kick the field goal. We win the game. Let's go own the football. We're going to try to run the ball down their throat. Offense line it's on you guys. Um, and, you know, look, you, you always say, hey, let's just end it with the ball in the end zone. Don't even have to stress mm-hmm. about kicking it. Um, but you say, okay, if you could find a way to, you know, to get three yards, five yards, maybe get closer, uh, the field goal to make it easier, sure. But uh, we were going to be obviously conservative what we did, and uh, we were fortunate that the, at the end of the game, um, the O-line and the running backs and tight ends came through, and we were able to get the end zone with the run. Well, it's, it's interesting because your offensive coordinator, Tim Cramsey, said that they have a, a defensive front that could be tough, but as the game goes along, you can wear them down. And in that overtime, it just seemed like your O-line was was opening up the holes and, and you were gashing them for, like you said, three, five yards every time Watson touched the ball, so why not run it in? But here's the thing. One, your goal line guy gets hurt, Brandon Thomas, so you don't have Thomas. Two, Watson, who has been unbelievable, puts one on the ground earlier in the game, which I know you weren't happy about, and you're thinking... Well, you know, I'm sure that's going through the back of your mind as well, but you have the confidence in him to just keep giving him the rock, and he rolls it in for the touchdown. So I'm sure a lot of that was going through your mind. Absolutely, right. And and we knew uh, we had a makeshift offensive line that game that was really put together <laughs> uh, on the bus ride over to the stadium, mm. trying to make sure that we were all on the same page uh, and, and getting guys caught up on certain things. But then going into... Um, that, right, as the fourth quarter wore on, you got to see their D-line wear down, um, and you got to see the ability for our guys to go out there and, and try to put the game in our hands, right? Great and tremendous amount of trust in Blake Watson. Um, obviously, you know, obviously, Brandon Thomas was down, um, but Blake was able to just, hey, he's done a great job carrying it for some reason. When we get closer to the goal line, it seems to be uh, not as great with the ball security, but he knows that, and, uh, he, you know, if you look at those drives, hey, two hands on the ball, and keep moving those feet forward, and we were able to find a way to get in the end zone. The effort by Seth Hennigan, how how banged up, I guess, technically was he? And, and the, can you just kind of talk a little bit about him and what he was able to do despite that? Yeah, and, you know, for Seth throughout his career, right, you're a quarterback, you take hits, um, you know, you, you try to stand tall. And he's, for the, you know, the three years that he's been with us, in reality, if he, unless... It is a medical, major medical issue for him to further hurt himself uh, even worse. Um, and the doctors say, absolutely, you cannot go. That young man's going to find a way. Um, you know, his, whether the pain tolerance, whatever it is, he's going to fight through it because it's um, his will, his determination. His, and I even said this post-game, like, the dude loves his teammates. I mean, it's it's so amazing. He, you know, he'll do anything to win and then fight for them, and, you know. He wants to win football games, but he also doesn't want to let his team down. So he's like, okay, I've got to keep playing. Uh, significant amount of pain. Um, the doctors said, hey, there's no um, chance of further injury. Right? There may be further pain. Um, but as Seth said, there's, there's, it's not as bad as the pain at the feet. So I'm going to go out there and find a way uh, to win the game. And it, just his, his courage, his strength, um, obviously, we all buy into it. And, and uh, it's, it's contagious for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure even though he's still hurting, it's it's not going to go away probably until the end of the season, you can still 
install your entire offense, your RPOs, your quarterback draws, things that he has been very successful with. He's just got to be careful if he dives, he's going to dive on that shoulder more than likely as opposed to maybe if he just slides, he'll, he'll be able to uh, avoid that shoulder hitting the ground. Yeah, we've talked to him about it. You know, We call it the, the henny dive here where he just jumps and just awkwardly uh, stumbles and you know, seems to find a way to get two or three more yards. But with, with his injury, we just want to be smart with it. You know, and we tell him to slide more to take care of himself. Um, but he is one of those. He, he, I think, early as a true freshman, when they change the slide rule, when you start your slide, they call you down. And mm-hmm. there's so many times, you know, he'd, he'd slide. You know, when he thought he was getting the first down, they'd mark him down. You know, okay, second and two. And he's like, wait a second, I got the first. You know, and so he said, screw this. I'm just going to throw my body out there, um, like a lot of these young <laughs> quarterbacks do. And uh, but we we obviously want to protect him because uh, he's invaluable to our team. This SMU team um, is a very good one on both sides of the ball. The And I think offensively, it's really no surprise. Uh, Rhett Lashley, known for offense, they they seem to always have a good offense. But defensively, they are much improved this year. What is it about their defense that has made them so much better this year? Yeah, I think last year they were, you know, um, bottom 15 in college football and defense, and this year they're top 10. Um, they're the only teams besides – Georgia and Michigan. Okay, let me say that again. Georgia and Michigan that are both top 10 in offense and defense. Um, that's uh, those things that make your stomach turn a little bit, and you look what they're able to do. We know they've always had a good offense. Um, you know, Scott Simons, our D coordinator, was our linebacker coach here uh, early in my career at Memphis. Um, he's done a tremendous job, you know, putting them in the right spots. They're also a team uh, – with a, a huge, huge amount of NIL money that has gone out and, and, and found a lot of really, really good transfers. Um, and they've done a nice job of plugging those guys in, and uh, good for them. You know, we're, uh, they, they, they've got really a lot, a lot of talent uh, all over the field. And, you know, their only two losses were um, early in the season in a rivalry game versus TCU and, and versus Oklahoma at Oklahoma. But you're watching what they're doing to these conference opponents on offense and on defense, and you're sitting there saying, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And I think they're winning the average conference game by 30 points. Um, and they are they're steamrolling people, um, and they're, they're good in all phases. Uh, but you know what? Our, our Tigers are really, really excited for the challenge. Um, we're, we, we're glad to be back at home because we're going to go out there and put on a show for our fans. So, Coach, I'll, I'll ask the question that everybody wants to, to ask, and that's about about the defensive issues. Although the defense last week gets four interceptions, one turns into a pick six, they make a huge stop in that fourth quarter to allow you to come back and tie the game and force overtime. Yet, there are many times in a game, especially in the second half, where it seems like they're worn down and teams run right up the middle and run at will. What is, is the issue that you believe is happening with the uh, defense and especially in that second half? Yeah, you know, you look at uh, a few weeks back, right, we couldn't stop anybody in the passing game versus in North Texas, right? I mean, we're just uh, – and then last few weeks, teams are finding ways to crease us in the run game. Um, yes, the, the takeaways are tremendous for our defense and quite proud of those, and those are the differences that allow you to win football games. Um, but we've got to do a better job. Um, I'll put it that on me. I've got to – um, do a better job with things during the week and, and schematically, so it's on me to get it fixed. Um, but yeah, we also had 17 missed tackles last game, mm. uh, and I'm sure the average fan. Well, why don't you practice it? Well, <laughs> probably we do. Um, <laughs> I think I think we're the only team that comes out and does 
you know, practice tackling on freaking donuts and we'll start to use live bodies um, pregame. You know, just finding ways. And, and some of our best players are, um, you know, need to, to step up a little bit more and continue to find ways. Um, a combination, right? When, when you're getting the ball run down, you know, the D-line's not doing a good enough job. The linebackers aren't doing a good enough job, and, and the, the secondary's not fitting where they need to. And, uh, and, and by the way, then we got to put our guys in better position for play calls. So all those things being said, uh, it's a combination of a lot of things that need to get fixed. Uh, it's certainly not our standard. Um, but if we go and, and we play and we get four takeaways versus SMU, uh, at the end of the game, we're going to say, wow, that, that we found a way to win the football game, and uh, that's all that matters. This uh, the SMU offense. They I think they ran for over three hundred yards last week. Um, they've got a quarterback who's really good. But what's the what's the things that you're looking to to stop? What do you have to do against their offense? Yeah, they've got a young quarterback named Preston Stone. I think he's the highest rated, one of the highest rated recruits in SMU history. Um, you know, decided to stay home, and he is not only does he have tremendous arm strength and arm talent. Um, you know, he gets away with scrambling around back there and then all of a sudden, you know, launches it or, or runs. Um, they've got five different running back rotation. They've bought in some five-star transfer running backs, I believe, from Alabama. They've bought some other guys that they've had, some homegrown guys. Um, they've upgraded their offensive line. And then, you know, they got they, they were able to go get a transfer wide receiver from TCU that was a starter there. Um, they're, they're, they're really, really talented, but it, it all starts with that quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got to find a way. You know, you see teams go in and get a clean sack on them uh, with pressure, and then he just steps out of the way. And now with the pressure, there's man-to-man coverage or zone, and he finds a hole in it. Next, you know, it's a 60-yard launch, or you know, you drop back and play, uh, you know, drop eight and, and rush three. And next, thing you know, there's holes in the run game, and they're gashing you. So they've done a phenomenal job. They also play with the uh, 24th or 23rd highest uh, tempo. Um, in college football, so we've seen some teams from North Texas to South Florida that played this up-tempo, so we're going to have to be uh, sound and, and get lined up and, and get our cleats on the ground and go play ball. Well, with all the positives that uh, you've talked about with SMU, and, and we know how good a football team they are, you're in a great position. You're, you're home, you're playing home to these guys, you're 8-2 and two at the beginning of the year. I'm, I'm sure you'd want to be 10-0, and 0, but you're 8-2 and two and in a great position. Should be a fantastic crowd. It's a blackout, so wear your black for the game. But I'm sure you guys are about as excited as you possibly can be in practice getting ready for this game on Saturday. I'm sure the players are. You guys are probably losing your hair, but the players, I'm sure, are fired up to go up against SMU. Yeah, look, we know the the, the challenges. We know the rivalry. Um, you know, I've spoken and praised SMU, but, but we got a great ball club here. We're 8-2. and two. Uh, We're finding ways to win. Our guys are hungry. Uh, they're determined. They've had a fantastic week, like I said at the beginning of the show, with great focus um, and, and excited to go out there and, and play for our home crowd for these seniors. Um, it's their last game in right. the Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, and they know you know how precious that is and so many great memories. And some of them, like I told them post-practice, some of you guys I've known for six years and some of you guys I've known for six months. Um, but, man, it, it, what a special moment for them to go out there. And I know our crowd's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be a beautiful uh, fall Saturday day, and, and what better way to go out and watch uh, two teams compete? We know what's on the line. Um, we're just focused on this game and that game alone. Um, but uh, the, your, your boys will come out swinging, and they're excited. What a crazy but accurate statement. 
You've known some of these seniors for six years and some for six months in the world of the transfer portal. It is it is nuts. And how about Jake Elliott stepping up and buying twenty five hundred tickets? My man Jake, yeah, he's he's been phenomenal. You know, he's one of the, the alum that give back financially. He's one of the alum that uh, you know positive texts all the time, regardless of outcomes. Just been a supporter through and through. And then you know he loves his Tigers, uh, and he's having what I mean, he's having an all pro. Uh, season and all pro career, mm-hmm. and, and just so grateful for him. He's any way he can give back to his Memphis football program and to the great fans here. What a tremendous job by him! So kudos to him, and uh, look forward to seeing him next week as well. Well, we are grateful to you for coming on with us each and every week. We appreciate it. Wishing nothing but the best on Saturday. Absolutely, hey, to all of our fans, y'all be loud, be proud. Let's wear black and let's go find a way to beat these SMU ponies. Go Tigers! Thank you, Coach. See you on Saturday. Ryan Silverfield, Tigers head football coach. Should be a fun one. Hopefully it will be a big crowd. Have you seen the number again? I'm sure you have. What's the over-under number? It is. It's got to be in the 70s, right? Like 72 maybe? It is 66 and a half. 66 and a half. Don't you think it's still going to be an over? (laughs) I mean. Uh, Way over. Way over. Think 100 points will be scored in this game? Uh, I'm not sure about 100, but I think... um, I think one team will get to half a hundred. So, 50 to win. Winner's going to get 50. I think one of these teams will get 50. All right. When we come back, the Tiger football report. Eli will break it down. The Tigers in SMU. Second hour of the program brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. They are your family's jeweler at 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. Look, there are a lot of uh, jewelry options in the area. A lot of good ones as well. But James Gaddis Jewelers has been a part of this Memphis community for decades and decades and decades. You know what you're getting. You're getting that one-on-one experience. You're not going to a big box store where you're just a number. You're a name at James Gaddis Jewelers. If you're looking for that special engagement ring, you're planning on popping the question over the holidays, James Gaddis Jewelers is your bridal engagement and anniversary jeweler headquarters for the diamond engagement rings, for wedding rings, for the personally designed wedding sets, but for all jewelry, for the holidays or any time, for birthdays, anniversaries, watches and custom-made jewelry, gemstones, bracelets and necklaces of all kinds, earrings and pendants, and one-of-a-kind estate and vintage jewelry, and they're always adding to their collection. I guarantee you, every time you walk in there, you're going to see something different. They'll buy your gold, silver, and diamonds. You need something appraised. James is a certified appraiser. Again, locally owned and operated, family owned and operated. You need a simple cleaning. You need a resetting of your stone. Whatever the case may be, just bring it on in to James Gaddis Jewelers. 4,900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at Gaddis Jewelers. You're tuned into Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. We are Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now. Back to Sports 56 Mornings. Isn't it a lovely morning? On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Sparkling. 
Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Back here in the Family Leisure Studios, it is time for the Tiger Football Report. As we take a look at the Tigers matchup this week, it's brought to you by Los Cabos on Summer Avenue, Car Corner on Mount Mariah, Central Barbecue, Dave and Buster's, Ben Swinger Glass, Coletta's, and La Guadalupana. The Memphis Tigers, 8-2 and two on the year, 5-1 and one in conference play, host the SMU Mustangs, who are 8-2 as well, 6-0 and oh in conference play. An 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. Head coaches Ryan Silverfield, who we just talked to in his fourth year, now 29-18. and 18. Rhett Lashley is in his second year at SMU with a 15-8 and eight mark. Memphis, winners of four straight after last week's win over Charlotte, 44-38 in overtime. SMU got a win over North Texas last Friday, 45-21 was the final in that one. Their sixth straight win, although those conference games... SMU in conference play, and Ryan Silverfield uh, mentioned this, they are outscoring their opponents 270 to 88. So by average score, their average conference score is 45 to basically 15. Yeah, it's the complete opposite of the Tigers. Their games are not going down to the wire and then some. Yeah, they are, uh, they are destroying some teams. Uh, it is the 16th meeting all time between these two. Memphis leads the series 10-5, and they are 6-2 here in Memphis, including the last four games played in Memphis. They have won. SMU won last year down in Dallas 34-31. Each of the last three games has been decided by a field goal. So these two have been, they played for a long, there was a lot of years where they were, it was blowouts every single year. But now every year, uh, the last three have all been decided by three points. The Memphis offense averaging 452 yards a game. That is 21st in the nation in total offense. They are 14th through the air, averaging 296 yards per game and 70th on the ground, averaging 156. Their 39.7 points per game is ninth in the country and second in the AAC, the only higher scoring team in the AAC. That would be SMU. And the Tigers have scored at least 20 points in 24 straight games, which is the longest active streak in the country. Seth Hennigan, 24th in completion percentage in the nation, 66%. 14th in passing yards at 2,864 yards. 22 touchdowns, that's also 14th, and has eight interceptions. He had one last week, which was the only interception he has thrown in the last four weeks. He also has 229 rushing yards and four touchdowns, so 26 total touchdowns for Seth Hennigan on the year. Last week was his third straight 300-yard game, his sixth of this season, and his 16th of his career, which is the most in-program history. He has played, of course, the last two years, he has played SMU. He's had a couple of good games. He had six. He has a total of 679 yards in the two games against SMU. Uh, three touchdowns, two interceptions against the Mustangs in those two games. At the running running back spot, Blake Watson, last week, of course, there was questions going into the game about whether he was actually going to be able to play, much like Hennigan, but he was fine, and he had 22 carries 
on the uh, on the day last week. So uh, also had eight catches, so thirty touches. I don't think I don't think he was really banged up going into last week. He, he seemed very healthy. No, he was he was pretty pretty good shape. Eighty three yards on the ground, two touchdowns last week. Forty one yards through the air, and another touchdown through the air uh, for the year now. He could go over the 1,000-yard mark this week. He's at 909 yards on the season, so needs 91 to get to the 1,000 mark. He's averaging six yards per carry. He's got 12 rushing touchdowns, which is in ties him for 10th in the nation as far as that is concerned. Also, 393 yards on 43 catches for the year and two more touchdowns. He is eighth in the nation and continues to lead the American Athletic Conference in yards from scrimmage at just over 130 per game and also still leads the country in plays of 60 or more yards with five of those on the year. Of course, Brandon Thomas, last week before he got injured, found his way into the end zone again. He only had two carries, but one of them for a touchdown. He has seven carries or seven touchdowns on 27 carries. Of all the guys in the nation, that have more touchdowns than Brandon Thomas this year. The fewest carries of any of them is 77. Wow. <laughs> He's got 27. That's amazing. It's, I mean, it's just the the uh, percentage of carries and touchdowns is absolutely unbelievable for well, Brandon well, Thomas. Well, it's interesting. It's not like he's short yardage all the time. He's short yardage when it's in the red zone in the you know near the goal line. He, it's not like he's coming in on fourth and one. They'll run Watson on that. But if it's fourth and one at the goal line, you know, big, the one yard line, they're giving it to him. Rock Taylor had a quiet game last week. Just three catches for him for 27 yards. For the season though, he still leads the team with catches in catches with 50 yards with 779 and tied for the team lead in receiving touchdowns with four. Uh Taylor did have a touchdown reception against SMU in last year's game. Demir Blakebsey had 84 yards last week on four catches and a touchdown. He's third on the team behind Taylor and Watson in catches. He has 40. He's second in yards with 669 and tied with Taylor with those four touchdowns tied for the team lead. Among the tight ends last week, Anthony Lamphere. Nice game for him. Season high, seven receptions, 63 yards. Brendan Doyle caught two balls and neither went for a touchdown. I forgot to ask yeah, Ryan it Silverfield. Sad. It was a sad day. I was going to ask Ryan Silverfield what the hell happened. <laughs> I don't know what, what's going on here. His first two non-touchdown catches of the year for Doyle. He came in with three catches, all three for touchdowns. The Memphis defense, 107th in the nation now. Can you skip it? Can you, just go, can you go? Can you go to the offense for SMU? Fourteen yards per game. Well, that's not much better news. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, they are ninety sixth against the pass, giving up two hundred forty two. They are one hundred sixth against the run, giving up one hundred seventy two rushing yards per game. And again, this is an SMU team that ran for over three hundred last week. Ninety seventh in scoring defense, giving up twenty eight point nine points per game. Uh, they do continue to be good on third down, 17th in the nation, allowing just over 30%. With the four takeaways last week, they're now up to 19 total takeaways on the year, which is just outside of the top 10 in the country. And their nine fumble recoveries is in the top 10 in the country. Chandler Martin leading the team in tackles still with 78, leads them in tackles for loss with 11 and a half, tied for the team lead in sacks with two. His 53 tolo, uh, solo tackles uh, are second in the conference, 13th in the nation. And of course, last week he got his first interception of the year and returned that 60 yards 
for a touchdown. Uh, his fellow linebacker, Jeffrey Canton Arku, who's second on the team in tackles, also got his first interception of the year last week. Meanwhile, Cameron Smith got his third pick of the year last week. He leads the team with those three interceptions. He is fourth in the conference in those interceptions. Now SMU, their offense, 10th in total offense. They allow, or they get 473 yards per game. 21st through the air at 285 yards, 28th on the ground at 188 yards. They average over 40 points per game, 40 and a half points per game, seventh in the nation. And as Ryan Silverfield mentioned, one of only three teams with a top 10 scoring offense and defense joining Georgia and Michigan. I thought they had That's dropped company. To, I thought they had dropped to 11th, but technically I guess I'm wrong here. Uh, their quarterback is number two, Preston Stone, 58.6% completion, 2,589 yards, 23 touchdowns, just six interceptions, also 197 rushing yards and three touchdowns, so a total of 26 touchdowns for him. Um, the completion percentage is down a little bit by your kind of standards now, not being up over 60%, but uh, but he's a good one. And uh, like Ryan Silverfield said, he can move around a little bit in the pocket, keep plays alive, and then find guys downfield. Their running backs, they do rotate a lot of guys. The three main ones, and, and Coach Silverfield alluded to this, number four, Jalen Knighton, he leads the team with 640 yards and has five touchdowns. He is a Miami transfer. Number 11, L.J. Johnson Jr., second on the team with 427 yards. He's got two touchdowns. He is a Texas A&M transfer. The third guy, number zero, Kamar Wheaton, 296 yards, five touchdowns. He is an Alabama transfer. Jeez. So you got Miami, Texas A&M, Alabama as the three main running backs. Wow. The receivers, number 12, Jake Bailey. He has 32 catches for 414 yards, leads both of the leads in both of those categories. However, does not have a touchdown. They have 26 receiving touchdowns. Their leading receiver has none of them. He Interesting. Gets, is it the do factor? I so, certainly hope not. He is a rice transfer, by the way. He's also transferred, but he's, he just came from rice. He came from rice. But Number eight, Jordan Hudson, 23 catches, 322 yards, five touchdowns for him on just 23 catches. He's a TCU transfer. Number three, Romello Brinson, 20 catches, 320 yards, two touchdowns. He's a Miami transfer. I mean, they are, the skill positions are, it's all transfers. It's crazy. Uh, number 13, Roderick Daniels, 16 catches, four of them for touchdown, 272 yards. He is not a transfer. And then, <laughs> I, I have to like this guy. Sorry. I have to Eli like this guy. Eli what? What's his name? No. Tight end. Number 82. R.J. Maryland. The son of the former Cowboys number one Russ overall pick. Maryland. Russell Maryland. Wow. He's got 25. He's really good. Maryland. 25 catches, 355 yards, and six touchdowns. So they do like to throw to the tight end. He's a really good receiving tight end. And somebody you got to definitely keep an eye on uh, is R.J. Maryland. I'm assuming he's not as big as his dad. <laughs> I, that, I don't. That would be scary. I, I don't think he'd be playing tight end. <laughs> right. That would be scary if you had to face that guy. But obviously, some pretty good bloodlines there yep. uh, for him. SMU's defense. They are 11th in total defense, but they are 9th in scoring. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah, so the, I was the, right about that. The, the top ten thing is scoring offense and scoring defense. Gotcha. Okay. In total, they are eleventh in total defense. They give up two hundred ninety-one yards per game. Thirtieth against the run. Thirteenth against the pass. They only allow one hundred seventy-four passing yards per game, and they are ninth in scoring defense, giving up only sixteen point four points per game. On third down, they're better than the Tigers. They only allow teams to convert at 28% of the time, which is eighth in the country. Uh, number 24, the middle linebacker, Kobe Wilson. He is their leader on defense, leading tackler with 53 tackles on the year. Their safety, number 23, Isaiah Nakobia, Second in tackles, two interceptions, leads the team as well. Then defensive end, number five. Here's a an Eli, Eli, kind of, Elijah. Elijah Roberts, another Miami transfer. They raided Miami. (laughs) There's like pipeline from Miami to SMU. And and Miami's struggling a bit this year. They Uh, they gave up all their good guys. Elijah Roberts leads them in tackles for loss and sacks. Eight and a half sacks on the year. That is second in the conference, tied for 16th in the country. He's got five and a half sacks in their last four games. So he is one that you're definitely going to have to watch. Number five, Elijah Roberts on the defensive side of the ball for SMU. The Tigers currently an eight and a half point underdog to SMU. That line has kind of remained stable over the last few days. Again, the over under is set at 66 and a half, which um, seems a little low to me. What's the last Tiger game that stayed under 66 points? Oh, I have to look that up. Wow. I don't know. Let me let me see. Let me see if I can pull this thing up. And you're talking about one of the now you could I guess they might be thinking that SMU's defense doesn't give up many points, so that they're they might be looking at that. But you're talking about SMU with one of the best offenses in the nation against a Tiger defense that given has given up a to, a ton of points. It's a scary proposition. There is no question about it. Especially last week against a Charlotte team that scored on average fifteen points per game. So Memphis last week with Charlotte, 82 total points. The week before against South Florida, 109 total points. The week before that, North Texas, 87 total points. What was the number you were looking for? 66. What's the last game that could say under 66? UAB Memphis was 66. So it wasn't under, it was 66. And then before that was Tulane, that was 52. They lost 31-21 in that game. Again, it's an 11 a.m. kickoff Saturday out of Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. It is a blackout. Uh, they're asking folks to wear their black. And uh, the Tigers and the Mustangs in a huge battle um, between those two as far as the conference championship game implications are on the line in this one. The Tiger Football Report brought to you by La Guadalupana, Ben Swanger Glass, Coletta's, Dave & Buster's, Central Barbecue, Car Corner on Mount Mariah and Los Cabos on Summer Avenue. The only two losses for SMU, Oklahoma, to start the season. They gave up 28, which is you know not a ton, but they only scored 11 against Oklahoma. And then TCU, which went to the fi- you know the championship game last year, but is not good. It's not a good football team this year. They beat SMU 34-17 at TCU in that Dallas-Fort Worth battle there. But that's it. They, they won all their conference games. They scored what against Oklahoma again? They scored 11. Yeah. So with a game in which they scored only 11 points, they still are seventh in the nation in scoring, averaging over 40 a game. But again, they're averaging 45 per game in conference games. 
Yeah, they scored 34 against Charlotte. They scored 31 against East Carolina, 55 against Temple, 69 against Tulsa, and they scored 36 in their win over Rice last 69 week. 69 against Tulsa and could have scored 100 because I think they were over 50 at halftime. Yeah. They they pulled off the dogs, if you will. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the challenge this Saturday for Memphis. If you want to talk about the game, you have some thoughts on it, you want to hit us up in our next segment, 360-8255. You can call in or text in on the Sports 56 listener lines. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56, 98.5 FM. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Genuine diamonds, baby. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Plenty more college football talk coming up in Hour 3. We'll be joined by Harold Grader for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl Inside College Football Hour. I asked you... For your comments about Saturday's Memphis SMU game, what are your expectations? Hit us up at 360-8255-901-360-8255. Call in or text in on the Sports 56 listener lines. And Keith has dialed in. Hi, Keith. How are you? Hey, Eli. Do I need to buy you an SMU T-shirt? I mean, I, I didn't really like how you got so enthusiastic about SMU. <laughs> I, 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 all I did was state facts. <laughs> I was just reading the numbers. <laughs> no, no, you got a little enthusiastic. That kind of bothered me. I'm but enthusiastic anyway. about the over, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you you do like the over. Okay, uh, well, I, I, I'm not going to doubt that. That, that, that is I a think track her, record. If Finnegan can't turn the ball over... And and the running backs don't fumble. I think we can stay with this team on on offense. I really do. The defense is going to have to make some turnovers. Memphis used to be really good at, at creating turnovers. But this year they haven't been real good. No, no, they ha- so, they have been good. They, they had are, four last week, including a are, pick six. They, again, I just yeah. again I was just uh, this is a, a fact. They are. Where he was we? startled by the SMU numbers. You were they are, that's why I didn't hear eleventh uh, in the nation in takeaways. Yeah, dang, Eli. See, you got to listen to these numbers. I thought they're facts. Well. I know, but you you got a little enthusiastic. I, I was enthusiastic about, about Russell Maryland's son. I will say that I like I, I liked Russell Maryland when he was a cowboy. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate <laughs> oh, the phone call. Thank you, my friend. Um, yeah, they they create turnovers. The problem is they get gashed for big yardage and scores, and opponents do it quickly. It, it's amazing how many times I've seen the Tigers. Grab a lead, or you know, get up uh, late in the game, and then all of a sudden—well, not late in the game because a lot of times they've had to come from behind. But they've gotten leads, and then all of a sudden the team will go three plays, boom, they're down the field. Usually, like a thirty or forty-yard run up the middle, they make a pass play, boom, they're in the end zone, and that has been startling to watch the def- because the defense has at times been very opportunistic with those turnovers, making plays, pick sixes. They have a few of those this year. But they've given up big hunks of yardage, a lot of points, and the offense has had to bail them out with a lot of lot of points themselves. 
the uh, there's a, a we got a text from somebody that says look at the cumulative record of the teams that SMU has beaten. Uh, that has a lot to do with their offensive and defensive rankings. Oh yeah, again they have not sure. And it is it's a little weird because you would think that two teams you're playing in the same conference. You're six games into your conference schedule. There would be more common opponents, but like. SMU's played the other teams. <laughs> like, they're the only two teams that they've played. They both Charlotte. are Charlotte and North Texas. But, you know, SMU had Temple, Tulsa, Rice uh, on their, and East Carolina that the Tigers don't have on, the, you know, the Tigers will play Temple and SMU will end up playing Navy, which is another common opponent. But it's it's weird that they haven't had as many common opponents as you would think for two teams playing in the same conference to this point. But, no, there there's, it's not acting like, nobody's acting like SMU is, beaten some gauntlet of teams much like Memphis like they've they've just beaten the teams they were supposed to beat you know they lost to Oklahoma I mean TCU's not even very good this year right they lost to them but they've yeah they have done nothing out of the ordinary as far as winning games goes they've just done what they're supposed to do yeah it's similar in that regard that they've beaten the teams they're supposed to beaten and lost to the teams that more than likely you thought they were going to lose to, except that when they play a team that they're supposed to beat, they crush them. Yeah. They they, they step on their throats. They, there's no way that that team's going to come back. Whereas with Memphis, we have seen a couple of occasions now where the Tigers have had to rally with a last-minute drive in Denton against North Texas, down 10 with seven minutes to go in Charlotte. So they've had close calls against mediocre competition, but they've won those games. Doesn't mean that SMU's coming in here because they've had an easier time of it with their conference foes and Memphis maybe a little tougher time that they're going to roll over the Tigers. They're not a top 25 team. We understand that. That texture is absolutely right. But this is a dangerous team because they can score and they can defend. And they do have a lot of transfers, as you talked about, from big-time schools. So you know they're good players if they were... If they were um, committed to those schools and some actually going and attending those schools. I'm not sure how much playing time those players receive, but they were recruited by those schools. And now they end up at SMU because SMU can spend a lot more money than Memphis can with their NIL. And therefore, you know, that's just one of the many, many reasons, of course, financially paying what they were able to do to get them into the ACC. But they're going to have that NIL money that hopefully for them in the coming years, that continues to roll in, that they can be competitive with teams in the ACC. The thing that's really amazing about the American Athletic Conference this year is that the preseason, it was generally thought of like there are four teams clearly at the top. Yes. With Tulane, UTSA, SMU, Memphis. And the fact that we're this deep into the season – and none of those teams has lost to anybody outside of that group. Right. It's pretty incredible because usually in conference play, you're going to see some upsets, even if there is teams that aren't, you know, the, some of those top teams are going to lose to some of the teams at the bottom. But in the American Athletic Conference, the only loss, obviously, among the four is the Tigers lost to Tulane. All the others are still undefeated. And now this week, this week, one of the two or one of the four will lose because Memphis and SMU. But to not see anybody from mm-hmm. that bottom be able to knock off any one of those top four teams is pretty amazing. Yeah, after last weekend's results, I, I tweeted something out about the record of the top four compared to everybody else in that conference. It's it's really crazy that we haven't had. We've had close calls all around. Tulane the last two weeks have had close calls. We know Memphis is at close calls. SMU really the only one that has not. Then maybe in UTSA, although I haven't seen their results. But 
we got some huge games coming up. Obviously, next week, it's Tulane and UTSA. And if Memphis does get the win over SMU, they have to go into Philadelphia and win that game. But they need help. They need Tulane to beat UTSA. And then you got the tiebreaker, and it looks like it would be going the way of Memphis. And they'd be in the conference championship game. So this is a huge one on Saturday. And anybody who's even a fringe Tigers fan, uh, you really care for the team, you need to be there. I mean, if there's any game to be at, it's this game on Saturday. And they're calling for the blackout. Hopefully they'll be able to get 35,000-plus at the stadium for this one. I think the fans make a big difference. Memphis has had success, as you mentioned, against SMU at home. They've won the last four in the series. So we'll see. And and I mentioned earlier about yesterday's news that the NCAA, not a surprise, that they denied the waiver requests for James Madison, Jacksonville State, and Tarleton State, meaning that it looks like a clear path. It's not an automatic, but a clear path for the American Conference to get into that New Year's Six. So the conference champion looks to be in pretty darn good shape. I think if Tulane runs the table, they're absolutely going to be that team. But certainly I think the champion has the right to claim that they should be that team, and we'll see by the by the rankings. But Pete Thamel did report that I would I don't if UTSA is the champion, I think that there's a chance that Liberty takes that spot from them. A three-loss champion is going to be... Yes, I, I think so too. But man, Liberty just does not get any respect because of the conference they're in and the schedule that they have played. But uh, Pete Thamel's reporting that Virginia Attorney General Jason Mayeris is reviewing legal options against the NCAA in the wake of JMU's rejected waiver request. I don't know what they can do, but legal options will be taken. How do you, again, fight something that you signed, a document that you signed? We can go over it again like we did in hour number one, that it sucks for the players and it's a stupid rule. But they know what they were signing, so I don't know what they can do legally, but they're going to look at possible legal options against the NCAA. College sports continuing to... Make lawyers rich. <laughs> we'll take a time out. Come back in hour number three. It's all about the AutoZone Liberty Bowl inside college football hour. We'll update you what's happening with the SEC. Will they have a team for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game? We'll talk Big 12. We'll talk all things college football. And we'll have our world-famous pick six. It's all coming up in hour number three. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. <laughs> 